It's the BBP TV show since 2012, where amazing guests share their digital adventures. Who will we meet today? Small biz influencer? Up-and-coming trendsetter? Accomplished author? You never know who'll be dropping by. And now, here's your host, Elaine Lindsay, the bionic glamourpreneur with Truel Social Media, who's the second most curious person on the planet. Hello, hello. I'm really thrilled to be here. This is a, a bonus show for BBP TV because we normally do shows every two weeks, but we're in a very different new normal. And there's just so much that is difficult for people right now. So many things that we just can't kind of deal with. I thought, hmm, why not bring on someone who can really give us a great perspective on what we can do to map our way through, to adapt in this new normal. And I want to give you David Amerlund, uh, my friend who is an incredible international speaker. He's a strategist. He's a business journalist and the author of Sniper Mind, which is what we're probably going to talk about today. That's only one of, I'm going to say, at least 10 books. Every time I turn around, David's writing another book. So I probably missed one, but I am so thrilled to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. And it's it's exciting to meet up after such a long time since the last meeting we had. Yeah, so. yeah it's been a couple of years. It has indeed, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. A lot so, of things have happened since then. <laughs> <laughs> things have happened. Yes, life life is different. Who would have thunk way back when, when we were doing hangouts for years and years ago, you know, that, that this was going to turn out to be, well, basically the main way people get to do business this year. Yeah, absolutely. Video chat. I mean, the, the world has changed. And uh, in many ways, I think, I mean, we're looking at this and we know that the world is changing. We can feel it um, sort of... Um, subconsciously without articulating it very clearly in our minds but the change which we're feeling is a change that essentially needs to happen and i can uh, elaborate a lot on this yeah and i know i know we're all going through a painful patch right now there's a lot of adjustment there's a lot of pain because if we look across the globe some industries are disappearing some other industries are undergoing tremendous change we have the immediate future is not uh, foreseeable to any great extent. And yet, that's exactly what should happen. Um, our systems, which were 20th century legacy systems, we ported them over into the 21st century, even as we amped our connections, we amped the way we did business, we amped the way that we established trust across um, non-physical present spaces. We did all that. And those systems began to creak and break down and we patched them until we got to here. And I'm sort of painting a very broad picture with very broad strokes, but essentially yeah. that's what it is. I mean, if our systems were good enough, we wouldn't be facing any of the issues we're facing right now. That is such a good point because a lot of people are, you know, scrambling and terrified because this is such a big change. But in fact, okay, I, I keep saying, we humans are really adaptable, okay? It's not like we haven't had, you know, great uproar and upheaval before. We are just so much more aware now. 
because we have this medium, the internet allows us to basically be there in the moment, wherever there may be. And, and I think that gives much more, more of a, an immediacy to what's going on. And, and that's part of why I gave this show the title WTF 2020, because as much as we could just sit here and you know vent and whine and complain that things are different, that's not gonna help anybody, okay? And I am, if nothing else, I am incredibly positive. I always say, give me a room uh, full of horse pucky and I will start digging for a pony. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think, I think this is uh, the right approach. And I, and I know, I know, I'm not discounting the least, the anxiety which we all feel yeah. right now. Okay, we all feel it because it's inevitable. We're oh, in the yeah. midst of it and we are not immune to the changes that are happening in our environment. We're not immune to the pressures which are applied upon us. And even if we happen by, you know, a, a massive stroke of fortune for some of us to be totally sort of um, uh, sequestered from all this unrest, our immediate surroundings are not. Our friends, our family, they're right in the thick of it. And that's transmitted to us. So we all feel this. Now, despite all this, it's what you said. Essentially, we're moving towards a better place. And you're going to say, okay, how is that possible? Even all I can see is blackness and catastrophe. And I feel hopelessness and anxiety. And again, these are the feelings which we always feel when we transition in history to the next. You know, if you think, you know, how did people feel during the French Revolution? How did people feel during the American Revolution? You know, there was no hope and, and, and happiness and singing. There was hope that things would get better, but you actually feel the pain of the moment. You feel yeah. the stress of the things you have to do. You feel that the system around you, which was the established system, has collapsed and nothing yet has emerged, which must fill you with great anxiety. We, we are a little bit more fortunate. I mean, we haven't got to the stage where things have collapsed around us, but we do know that we're transitioning to something new and that hasn't quite emerged yet in terms of the shape, that, but we can see it, we can feel it. We know what we're leaving behind. We know what we don't want to repeat. And those are the yes. starting points for the new things we're gonna put in place. Absolutely. And um, part of that for me is I believe it's really a good thing that all of the stereotypes, all of the, the inconsistencies, all of the prejudices and all of the, the garbage that has brought itself finally to the surface. It's horrible in how it's happened but I'm so glad that people are starting to acknowledge, okay, everybody's human, everybody. I honestly believe that every single human is exactly the same. And I keep saying to people like, you know, I am, I don't know if you can see it, I'm polka dot. I am polka dot, <laughs> okay? So there are all kinds of different people out there. What we have on the outside of the suit is like I'm wearing a sparkly top and you're wearing a t-shirt. So what? Exactly. Exactly. And I'm I'm very glad you mentioned the human bit. Now, I know it is very easy to focus on the differences 
between peoples, cultures, races, and, and focus on the things which divide us. But essentially, we're all the same biological units. We all mm -hmm. respond to the same way in our environment. And we all have the same fundamental needs and anxieties. So those unite us, you know, regardless about uh, home security, um, food safety, or or food security, job security. We all want a place to call our own. We all want to feel safe where we are. We all want to try and feel that the future is predictable, which is always a very difficult thing to achieve. So these are the things which we all share regardless. It doesn't matter, you know, what you call yourself, who you are, what your gender is. We actually all feel that. And that's a really good starting point because moving forward, we have to start focusing on the fundamental similarities because that allows us to get together and that's our strength. And you, you know me, I tend to make things super simple. So for me, I want to take that word different, our differences. No, we're just varieties. Okay. Difference yes. is separate. A variety means a smorgasbord of different things, which means for me, who has the attention span of a gnat, I will never get bored because there's all this variety in humans. Like, isn't that something that you should be celebrating? Wouldn't it be horrible if we were all the same? I think uh, you, you know, you're bringing up a valid point here, which is very hard to, to sort of argue against. We should be celebrating it, but we, we can't. Neurobiologically, we are very weak. We are sort of programmed to form small, tight groups, to seek those groups to have a certain amount of, of homogeneity so that we're all the same, because that's the visual connection which creates instant trust. And we feel we understand each other. And forwards on now that has served us well until maybe you know the end of the end the year 2000 so that allowed us to create everything that you see today you know we survived we adapted we overcame and here we are in the 21st century there is a degree of complexity a degree of uncertainty that is going to be constant and also a degree of ambiguity which sort of wraps everything around it mm. the world now is not as clear-cut the threats which we face are not as easy to discern until it's almost too late to do anything about it. The situations which we face are constantly changing. There's a fluidity to them. And the context in which we have to act is never clear to us all the time. So in order to overcome those things, we need to do what we have historically always done. We come together in a tribe. We pool resources. We rely on each other. And suddenly we become a lot bigger than just ourselves. The only difference now is that the tribe we need to form is global. And that is, you know, that takes a little bit of getting used to, it takes a little bit of thinking, it takes a little bit of adjusting. And we need to learn a new skill set of interpersonal con yes. contact in order to do that. And even we get this on a, on a business level, okay? Nothing good happens in your comfort zone. If you don't step outside of what suits you, and in and that can mean your own little tribe, if you don't stretch yourself in some way, then how can you improve? Right? Yes. And, uh, totally. Again, you're totally right. And again, yeah. it, it's impossible to refute. But this is not what we do. 
we like to stay in a comfort zone, whether we're people or whether we're companies. So when do we move outside that comfort zone? Well, if you're a company, the answer is always very clear cut. It's when you're facing an existential threat or when you're a severe threat to your bottom line. And unfortunately, we also do, we also do the same thing for people. You know, we have to face a really severe threat, which shocks us and then makes the discomfort of moving outside our comfort zone and dealing with new complexities and new problems, the lesser of two evils. So that's, that's the way we've always operated historically. That's the way business has progressed. And unfortunately that's the, let's say that it's called the design fault with, you know, small D, <laughs> but you know, that's a design fault in our character and the makeup. So with all that in mind, what would you say for just the average person? Okay. You're, you're currently, I know we all have the anxiety, you know, people are worried about their children. They're worried about their parents. Uh, my dad's almost 88 and you know, he, he's, he's definitely in one of those groups that, you know, they tell you are, are most at risk. What can the average person do to, to center themselves, to let themselves sort of not marinate in the fear, but give themselves a little more to work with so that they can still find joy in every day? Okay, that's a, that's a great way to frame this. And there are two things which I would suggest, and we can all do those two things. The first one is, and I'm going to say meditate upon yourself, and it sounds very fancy and very complex, but essentially all you need to do is think about what is dear to you. What are your core values? What is that makes you, you? That hasn't changed since you were eight or nine or 10 when you first had those thoughts. They only got deeper and better. And we tend to forget them when everything's going okay or, you know, when things are not too, too difficult because we allow the external environment to impose restrictions and conditions upon us, which then determine our actions. So essentially we're guided by the world around us. And the problem with that approach is that right now the world around us is seemingly collapsing. So we feel we have no guidance. We don't know how to behave. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to think most of the time. So what I will suggest is that you think very carefully about what is dear to you. What are your core values? What is, what is it makes you who you are? And the moment you realize that, that gives you your immediate strength. There you are. That's you. That hasn't changed. Nobody can take that away from you. No threat is going to make that disappear because that's you. The second thing which helps deal with the anxiety and the fear which we all face is to reach out to people and just talk. Everybody feels vulnerable. I do myself. I really, you know, I, you know, I mean, I'm incredibly busy right now but if you ask me what's going to happen six months from now three months from now i can't honestly tell you i have some ideas i know where things are heading but like everybody else i see a huge fluidity in that situation and things may change very quickly so in order to deal with that i just talk to people i'll make sure that you know i externalize my fear a fear shared is a fear lessened it doesn't yeah. go away i still feel it but I also realize that this is normal. It is normal to feel anxiety. It is normal to feel fear. So I stop fighting against it. If I stop fighting against it, then what happens in my brain neurobiologically, I stop allocating resources to suppress it, which are never going to be enough, which means I, I don't get as tired. I don't get as anxious about it. I know it's there. I know potentially I can get ill and potentially again, I can die from COVID-19 like everybody else. 
but that is a possibility which I'm taking active steps to lessen. And so as I lessen those things, I feel more in control. And also I think, okay, that it may happen to me. And if it does, and if I do die, and there's nothing I can do, and I'll do everything I can to avoid it, but yeah. I'm not going to, to get over anxious about it. Well, so these are the things we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And from a, I want to take that a little further from an esoteric level and, and that is emotions like fear and, and, you know, joy, angst, whatever, they're meant to flow and go. Okay. Not just humans, all animals. Okay. We've lost the ability like zebras and antelopes and what have you, when they run away from a lion, you know, you'll see them and the whole body will shake and shudder. That's them letting go of all that fear. So it doesn't go with them. Well, we humans don't really have that anymore. And if you take the time to understand those emotions, let yourself feel the fear, acknowledge the fear. As David said, when you share it with others, it does lessen it, but then kind of mentally shake it off. Okay. I always tell my clients, and, and this may not sound very businesslike, but I want you to sort of shower it off with, with light, just, you know, Think of, of light coming down as a shower, getting rid of all the emotions. Just let them go so that you have room for different emotions so you can get on with your day and you're not just sapping all your energy by letting yourself remain in the negative. That's right. And I think you made a, a really important point here. Um, we only have so much emotional and psycholo psychological energy to allocate. Yeah. We are going through a crisis point in our history which we feel every day. And that elicits uh, an immediate neurobiological response in us. Now, first of all, that's normal. We are designed to respond to crisis because that's how we survive. Yeah. What is not normal, however, is the duration of this crisis. Normally a crisis is something which has a, a starting point and a finishing point and the distance between the starting point and the finishing point is very short, relatively speaking. With this particular crisis, it's already been several months going to be almost a year by the end of this year and we yeah. arguably have another 12 months ahead of us before we can say how oh, we begin to see things improve a little bit it's a long period of time for our body neurobiologically to be in a crisis response state which is what's exhausting us so by externalizing the fear by acknowledging it saying you know heck you know i'm really worried about the future i don't think my business is going to make it, or I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think the people I love is, are going to make it. And I think, you know, most of us already had some friends who already have already passed away because of this. So it's a very real thing. So by externalizing that, we reduce the anxiety of the crisis neurobiological response in our body. We just say, okay, there it is. Okay, it, it is there and we acknowledge it. What we feel is normal. And we just need to dial it down because if we're constantly at an edge, it's, it works against us. Oh, absolutely. Um, it even, you know, being um, what they call adrenaline junkies and, and being being on that, that edge of, of just about to, you know, fall or crash or what have you, it is absolutely exhausting. And, and your body cannot maintain that state. Yeah. It wasn't designed that way. No, no, nobody's body is designed for that. And, and that's what they explain. This is what makes things so hard. So these are the techniques, the strategies, if you like, that you employ to actually uh, get through it. And, and you know, businesses are doing the same in terms of how they handle their personnel internally, how the people in charge are handling themselves, the crisis 
which they're facing. So then they can focus on, on, on the business part of the, of the, of the equation. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I think uh, the new leadership is, is becoming more aware of how their employees feel. And not only that, but acknowledging that they too are human and they have those fears as well. Yes. There's not a, you know, a big difference anymore. It, we are, as I said before, all human and, and acknowledging that a leader feels that way doesn't diminish the leader. It actually, you know, gives them, gives them more humanity. And yes. when it makes us all relatable, right? Not yes. Same thing. yes. We're not robots, you know, we're all flesh and blood feeling the same things. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think that's critical. And another little, you know, again, a little more esoteric, but at the end of the day, you know, write down five things you're grateful for that happened that day. I call it my gratitude attitude. Yes. And you know, for me, it's things like chipmunks and squirrels and, and my chihuahua and my grandkids, my children. Those are all things that I am incredibly thankful for. Left out the husband didn't mean to. He's there too. But <laughs> <laughs> he's not too far away, so I better be good. But it's, it's little things. You can find joy in anything. And when you start being grateful, it's amazing how many more things you can find to be grateful for. And that takes more room. Yes. You don't have as much room for the fear. It does. And actually, it's like, well, you know, and again, I'm glad you brought this up. And there is a neurobiological or neuroscientific explanation for this. And I know it sounds trite, right? You're asking people no. in the middle of a pandemic to start the day by feeling grateful about something. Yeah. But this is what happens. If we're feeling anxious, if we start the day feeling stressed, if we feel fearful, and the, the centers, the higher centers of our brain, the what we call executive functions, they shut down. And we have the lower centers of our brain, which create a panic response in us to work with. So there are a lot of things which we see and we can't process, our perception narrows, and the view we have of the world diminishes. Mm -hmm. If we start by feeling grateful, what happens is we relax, essentially. We dial the tension down. And the moment that happens, the higher executive functioning centers of our brain kick in, and suddenly we have more and richer and more powerful mental resources to process the data we see, the information we see. So then we can cope with it better, we can do more with it, and we can find surprising solutions sometimes to problems yeah. um, which we thought were insoluble. So that is a very important technique. It's a very important point to bring up. Um, and, and it allows us, it's a very strong, very powerful coping mechanism in a time of crisis. Yeah. Yeah, because it's um, it's been brought to my attention a number of times that we're losing more and more people. The suicide rate is up, uh, not just here in Canada, in the U.S., in, in Europe, everywhere, um, because it is such a scary time. And the one thing I want to say that, that is incredibly important you may think what I'm saying is trite and you may think David's is very deep, but here's the thing. The bottom line is this, reach out and talk to someone, whether it's someone on Twitter, it's on Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you are, 
if you feel that there's just too much fear, you can't handle it, you can't go on, reach out to someone. There are a million places online that people will help you by letting you talk and talking you through. Video chats are easy peasy for people and there are a ton of helplines out there. We do have them on the website and with your permission, David, I'd like to put some more on the page from our yeah, uh, talk yeah, today because I, I think it's incredibly important and I want people to have the opportunity to get some help. Even if you just want to talk to somebody for five minutes, if you yep. just, you know, for whatever reason, you're feeling alone, you're feeling you just want, you want to vent, you want to say something nice, doesn't matter reach out there's lots and lots of lots of us out there who are willing to talk to other people excellent and i will um unpack a little bit of what you just said you know, i know it, it's you know talking seems very simple but it isn't actually and and here's why it isn't um we are processing machines we are designed to process data because that's the only way that we can actually begin to create the mental constructs that allow our brain to forecast the future, which gives us a degree of certainty, which then allows us to navigate towards it uh, with some kind of uh, assurance that we will make it, which is what our brain is designed to do. So all our complex behavior comes down to that simple rule. And as we process information, we need to think that we're not thinking machines that feel, we're actually feeling machines that think. So a lot of the information we process are feelings. If we are locked inside our heads, if we lose hope, if things get dark, and it can happen to anybody. So this mm -hmm. is, you know, this is the kind of thing that we must remember. We're all so vulnerable and afraid, fragile in this. Yeah. Um, so if we get locked inside our head, it becomes a very dark space. We can't escape it. And there's a downward spiral that gets tighter and tighter and goes down deeper and deeper. And that sometimes leads us to, you know, acts which are complete completely destructive from our personal point of view and they're an expression of the hopelessness we feel now if we talk to somebody this is what happens the interpersonal skills that we have which were designed to allow us to navigate social life kick in we create interpersonal constructs which take the information that the other person gives us and change their point of view they change their perspective so a simple conversation even about the weather even about sites you've seen locally is never just that yes yes it's an enrichment of pictures we have in our head and that can take us out of our own darkness it allows us to see the world in a different from a different point of view and that changes the way we feel which then changes the way we think and it can change the way we act and and that's that's the chain of events that leads to that Absolutely. And, and I, I really like the fact that we're getting the, the super simple and the really deep explanation here. So we're kind of covering covering all things. But it it is. And even from my super simple, la la positive area. Yes, fear is a big thing. Hmm. Okay, like I, I'm, I'm human too. So of course, I have fears as well. And, and I'm not saying that that I deny them. What I'm saying is that I allow those emotions to be there. I allow myself to feel them, but then I let them go because yeah. there's other things yeah. I can be doing. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. even if it's playing with your dog, your cat, your bird. Yes. Totally agree. I mean, this is why it's so important to actually have those core values. Okay, and, and, and I'll give you an example from my own personal life. And the things can get really hectic for me. I have a lot of pressures, which a lot of these are self-created from the way I perceive things. And I, every day I have to walk my dog. And mm -hmm. I could choose to see that as a chore. It takes me away from work, adds to the pressures of the day. And it's a very stressful thing. And it is, you know, I choose not to see it that way because that's my time with him. And he, his time on the planet is a lot less than mine. So yeah. our connection during that walk is precious. So that is ring fen fenced as time. Yeah. And it's our time going on. You know, it's going to take about 35 minutes to walk him every evening. And I do that and just, you know, it, it decompresses me. <laughs> But that comes again from, you know, the, the core values. You think about what's really important to you. And he's really important to me. So that, you know, and I thought about it. So obviously this is not something which just came to me. I sort of worked it through my head because initially it was like, okay, I've got to walk him and I've got to do this and I've got to work and yeah. I've got to make everything fit around it. And no, this is ridiculous. It should not be a stressful time for me or him because you transmit those emotions to him. It should be something playful and amazing. And you just experience the world through a dog's eyes, maybe for 35 minutes. And I think that's, you know, that's what I choose to do. So there you go. There's your example. Uh, absolutely. Not only that, there have been studies done a lot in the last 10 years. They now use dogs in old age homes, in children's hospitals, all over because the act of petting a dog, and I'll give you the simple explanation here, makes you feel good. And David will give you the deep explanation of what it does in the rain. <laughs> yeah, it actually releases oxytocin, which allows yeah. you to feel, to relax. And, you know, it's a hormone that allows um, allows you to feel good about it for a start, but yeah. it de-stresses you, it completely decompresses you, which is why. And yeah. we, we use dogs because they're so, they reciprocate so easily. And if you used cats, it'd be a lot harder <laughs> because you have to win them over, right? But with yeah. dogs, you know, you pet them and you show them affection and they you know, give it back to you in spades. So then that hormone is released in us and it we mirror their feel are the same emotions that we feel. So within that context, they feel good, we feel good and we decompress. And here's an example of the different species that are interacting, right? To the benefit of both. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and they get treats. So, hey, they're coming out of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be a nice weekend as well. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> no, it absolutely doesn't. But um, is, there, is there something else, say, on a, um, on a, on a business level, Okay, because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there. There's a lot of small business, yeah. um, and and here here in Canada, in in my area in Ontario, um, restaurants, gyms, they've all closed. Cinemas have closed again. We've gone back to stage two. It's really hard on these entrepreneurs and small businesses, you know, to be closed months at a time. This is not something anyone ever expected. So any suggestions or tips of sort of how to manage through that when it, it is you know there's no two ways to get it. it's not just fear it's fact 
Yeah, absolutely. And I totally get that. And the challenges are huge, right? And I'm going to give some solutions and they're not always applicable to everybody equally, but most of these will apply to most situations and you just need to yeah. think about them. Okay, the, the primary one is that if you are facing a lockdown in your business, it's a long-term one, bear in mind there's going to be more lockdowns in the future and we don't know how many and how frequently, but for the next 14 months until the end of 2021, that's a picture that we're actually seeing emerging. So some industries will close down, there'll be some local lockdowns, there may even be additional national lockdowns, and this is across the globe. So how do you deal with that as a business? Well, you need to rationalize what you do and why. You need to get down to the, strip everything down to the very core of what you do and think, is there a future? Can you continue? If you can continue, what will it take? Do you need, if you have loans, do you need to talk to your bank and arrange some kind of agreement? Because they also understand. And you need to actually not just go there and beg, but go there with a concrete proposal and say, look, you know, this is my business. Let's say it's a cafeteria. Here's my loan. It's X amount of money. I'm closed down for three months of the year or six months of the year. I may have more lockdowns. There are two options. You know, forfeit the loan and close the business down. You've lost and I've lost. Or we rework it until I'm back on my feet and then I can pay you back. And banks are also willing to listen to reason provided you are proactive and you show business sense. And this is just one example. It applies to many different businesses. The other thing you can do, of course, is think about how you can repurpose what you're doing. Some businesses work online. It is possible. Some businesses work through takeaways. Again, it is possible through, again, through a digital medium. Some businesses work in, um, are from B2C to B2B sort of approach. So that's what you actually need to do. If none of those things work, what do you have to do? And this is what I'm going to say, and it's always hard, cut your losses. And there's no sense in waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until you have zero hope and you can see that you waited too long and it's too late to do anything. So if you see that, you know, whatever you're going to do, it's not going to work. Think, okay, what can I do now? You have skills, you're an entrepreneur, you have business experience, you have the ability to think on your feet, and there are opportunities which will come out of this crisis, some of which we can't even imagine. Society itself is changing. Some businesses are going to disappear entirely. The public, the consumer as a general sort of um, a unit, if we call it that is going to change in the way they allocate their money because they are, they're changing the way they value where they, they sort of perceive the value that they're actually getting. So if we were frivolous in the past and we sort of competed on perhaps, I don't know, fancy logos or you know, fancy goods because there was a perceived status in that, that's going to change. So now they're looking for value. Now they're looking for real connection. They're looking to reward businesses which are real in terms of how they reach out to them. So the marketing tricks of the past won't work. And they're also looking to see themselves. Uh, what people are doing in, in a sense that it gives me hope. So if you start thinking along those lines, you will probably find a way out of the current situation which appears hopeless. So that's the general advice on a global scale, yeah. which is applicable, however, whether you're a small business or a large business. And if you say, you know, I am serving a small community, my business is going under, I have no hope. Well, no, I will not accept that because if you're serving a community, that community continues to be your community and they yes. still continue to have needs and wants and, and they need services and need help. You just got to think, what can I do beyond what I've done? How can I use what I have differently? 
So that's the magic of what you have to do. And that's also the difficulty because it's not an easy process. It's painful. No, no, absolutely. And it's interesting that on the news last night, there's a little town um, outside of Ottawa at Wakefield, and it's on the Quebec side. And there's a little, there was a little bar there that, um, you know, they served, I guess, you know, craft beers and what have you. He was a, he was a barkeep. And he has completely adapted to the situation and decided, you know what, I'm going to learn to make sandwiches. He's in a little tiny place. This has nothing to do with what he did before, but he researched it. He got himself some suppliers and they put him on the news last night because he's taken this attitude where, you know what, I'm going to adapt. He's not the only one. There's lots of people, uh, a friend here in Ottawa, Carla Briones, start, started with um, dog food stores. And she now has like delis where they do curbside pickup and, and all kinds of things because she realized, you know what, bemoaning it's not going to help me. Let's yes. adapt and move on. That's right. And there's, there's a small case in Manchester, which is my hometown in the UK. Yeah. Um, as a bar which um, obviously, you know, you could make it, rents were high, costs were high, then you had yeah. to close down. So the, the business itself, however, remained. And the person who had it now um, has a, a website and Facebook page where it teaches you how to make cocktails. Yes. And, uh, an, an online business so you can get all the supplies to make exotic cocktails. <laughs> and it's got an advisory sort of service as well. You can actually book, you know, 20 minutes at a time where it actually tells you some of the uh, tips of the trade and the tricks of the trade of the trade of the trade, and it allows you to to you know make your own cocktails at home that you would get at the bar. That's the kind of repurposing that changes things. Okay, so yeah. you know it's it takes a lot of strength to do that, but you know they did it. So oh, absolutely, and it's it's funny that you say that because um, I was hearing about a a comedian in Scotland this morning, and there's a comedian here in Canada who's actually, I think, around Halifax, who has taken his show online. And he's booking shows for groups of people that all can zoom in and watch the show, and he'll tailor the comedy to what they want. His name's Jason, I'll put the information uh, up there. But woohoo, I mean, that's a really great way to adapt. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, essentially, our needs haven't changed. We're still yeah. people with very similar. Yeah. We're just facing severe constraints on the social aspect of our lives. Yeah. Uh, out of necessity, and we just have to be creative. And I, I, I know how difficult it is, or to sort of think like that when you're feeling bad and you're feeling yeah. hopeless. But you've got to think that you know you haven't got many choices. Feeling hopeless is easy because all you do is feel hopeless until yeah. things get darker and darker. So, you know, it's always more constructive, better to channel those energies into something which will uh, give you a way out. And, and you know, for because doing video is so simple, um, I say, you know, there's people that you can't see now. Socially, you can't get together. Get together in a Zoom or, or a live stream video. Have a book club. Uh, play cards, okay? Do something. Play a game where you all have the board and everybody can can join in. There's things you can find online. There's trivia. There's a million things that you can do within the confines of what we have now. Yes, absolutely. Okay? 
Yeah. Think yeah. about little kids, okay? Think about when you were a kid. You're stuck in a room and all that's there is a cardboard box. Are you going to sit in the corner and moan? No, you're going to play with the box. You're going to turn it into a fort. You're going to make a robot. You're going to do something because children haven't lost that sense of wonder. I think I want to challenge you as adults, okay? Go after that sense of wonder. Pull out some pots. Get a cardboard mm. box. You know, do something completely well, I think, uh, children, silly. Yeah. <laughs> the difference between children and us, and it's a significant one, is that they haven't yet learned to respond to environmental pressures on how to behave. So they behave how they want to because they, that's how they explore the world. And then we become, and, and you know, the ascribed identity of the group. Yeah. And that's when the environment itself tells us, you know, this is who you are. This is what you be. And this is a great time to say, no, you know what? Yeah. This is not what I'm going to be. I'm not going to feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel lost. I'm not going to feel without any kind of avenue to explore the future. And I'm going to find a way out because I'm capable, I'm strong. I'm smart. If you say it to yourself, in your head, these things actually open up new neural pathways, gives you access to more mental resources. And I believe if if we make an effort, we can all come out of this stronger, better. No, definitely. Um, I mean, this is of our evolution world and, and again I know I, I know exactly how painful this is and I, I keep saying this because I don't want to minimize it in any way. I know we're being no, very positive no. and being very constructive but this is not taking away from that every single day now every one of us wakes up and we feel anxiety throughout the day, we feel worried throughout the day yeah. and everything we hear and perceive only seems to add to our anxiety and our yeah. worries. And 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 definitely I you know these things are real. But at the same time We've got to think this is a transition transitory period in history and we're moving towards a place which is actually going to be better and i know you think you know how is it going to be possible well you got to think that change and motivation for very complex neurobiological reasons only move towards better places which lessen the anxiety lessen the insecurities and the uncertainty and even perhaps the ambiguity which we see so essentially we are moving towards that we will get better because having we have experienced this and we we learn through this in order to move forward to use different skill sets, different interpersonal uh, sort of um, uh, competencies, and yeah. even different core um, sort of um, competencies for ourselves as we mine our values and use those values to perhaps be very real in a way that in the past we weren't. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, no, I think that, that it's all great points. And it's it's really reaffirming to know that you know even those simple things have good grounding in helping you neurologically um, to make yourself better to help yourself sort of get out of those those bad feelings because yeah the anxiety is real that you know if you turn on the news anywhere it's not going to make anybody happy. My goodness. <laughs> I know. No. <laughs> I know. But at the same time, I think we need to contextualize everything. It's yeah. a, you know, it's a period where suddenly the whole globe, more or less, is in the same boat. 
You know, yeah. It doesn't matter whether you're living in Africa or you're living in, in Japan or you're living in Australia or you're living yeah. you know, in Europe or, or America. We all feel the same things. I think yeah. from that alone, we need to see, understand that, hey, the human race as a whole is just one, right? The world is just one. We all have, the same. Yeah, we have different countries and different cultures, but cultures are just a, a different expression of different environments. They're yeah. inevitable. Right, so mountain people and river people, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. They have different cultures because the environment is different. Yeah. So their biological needs are the same. Our psychological needs are the same. And we're beginning to realize that. So then let's explore how we can utilize that similarity, how we can utilize the talents that re reside in each one. What if the mountain people and the river people interchange skill sets, right? How mm -hmm. powerful they would be. Suddenly their world would open up. It wouldn't be just water and rocks, it'd be water and rocks, right? And, and I'm just water sort of... rocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And rocks and water. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of putting these simplistic examples together, but they showcase the kind of thinking that basically allows yeah. us to be bigger and stronger and more powerful. And again, historically, that's how we've become who we are. We've taken over the planet. We've built incredibly complex, technologically advanced civilizations. And we did it through this union of people, resources. You know, whatever idea you get, for instance, came from a particular place. It never just came from a place. There's a synthesis of a lot of things, a lot of circumstances, a lot of information coming in that allowed it to happen. So nothing happens in a vacuum. Everything is yeah. networked. And since everything is networked, I think, you know, we need to actively now, cognitively, make the conscious decision to begin to utilize it. And and there's nothing wrong with getting more skills. No, you know? no. learning is always good. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. For me, it's like breathing. I really love to learn. All of this, you know, for for centuries, because of the industrial revolution, not not even, you know, the the pandemic or the Spanish flu or any of of the. Um, disease pieces that have happened uh, over the centuries. But all of the industrial revolution, all of the changes from early man, okay, every time you had these changes, they, the wheel, the, the uh, start of machinery, there was always this flux and people, yes. nobody wanted to go from the horse to the car. Okay, no, no. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing every time. I remember when, you know, historically I was going through documents where people think, were thinking that if a train goes up above a particular speed, you wouldn't be able to breathe, right? Because the air <laughs> yeah. cut on your breathing <laughs> and people would die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's funny to us now, certainly well, yeah. wasn't funny to them. Yeah, I mean, it was a serious problem, which, you know, they were trying to sort of uh, see how they could solve this. and. I think, you know, it just makes the point that any kind of transitory period has an inbuilt level of anxiety that comes yeah. with it yeah. and, and uncertainty. And and again, we need to embrace this. We need to say, okay, we're going towards something better. And we need to be able to be open to the positives and the opportunities yes. that will arise. And there are always opportunities. Yes. So really what we're saying is People need to really be open to adopting a growth mindset yes. where possibilities are, in fact, endless. You may not see them all right now, but we know that they're there. We know that they, there's more. 
there's absolutely more, right? Yes, absolutely, definitely. And 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 again, you know, it, it, these are things that which are easy to say and they're very hard to actually feel. Yeah. And you got to yeah. say, okay, how am I going to see those opportunities? And and here's an example. Um, you know, usually before the pandemic, I gave about 50 to 60 talks a year yeah. and I traveled a lot. And with the pandemic, mm -hmm. I sort of seem to be giving more talks, but I don't travel anymore, which is great. Yeah. There's <laughs> less stressful. And this is one of the things which I say, you know, who you are is usually in an established way is luxury. Okay, because the world says, this is who you are, this is what you're doing. And because everything's established, everything's sort of very rigid and rigorously defined, there's not a lot of wiggle room to get out of that frame and do something different. And if you try, there's a lot of friction, which yeah. is designed to keep you in place. Everybody says, don't rock the boat, don't be the nail that sticks up because it's going to get hammered down. You know, let somebody, yeah, don't stick your head above the parapet. You know, have all these sayings which are essentially are there to make us keep our head down and get our work done. And this is not the time to do that. I mean, you know, no. the, the world is essentially kind of disintegrating in front of our eyes in terms of the established structure. So now's the time to actually be brave and say, wait a minute, what if I did this? What if I tried that? And again, I know the difficulty here and it comes up again in corporate environments, it comes up in personal environments. Yeah. Is how do I behave? And I know this is a strange question to ask, right? Because in the past, we knew how to behave because there were norms which were yeah. generated by perception, which was the acceptable kind of way of behaving. So, you know, if you're in business, you are projecting a particular image. If you are, you know, a person, your immediate social group dictated how you should behave, what was acceptable, what was not, how you should dress, how you should, you know, how you should drink, yeah. how much you should drink and so on. And here we go back down to the core values. What is really important to you? Yeah. Who are you really? If you define that, well, there are your red lines. If you know your red lines, then you know how to behave. Yes. If you know how to behave because you have these core values, which means essentially that you have a conviction which comes through, that creates resonance to the people around you. Then they engage and there's your entire mode of operation, if you like. Whether you're a business or whether you're a person, this is exactly the way it should be, it's exactly what we should be thinking. So we're peeling back all these, you know, layers of camouflage that we had in the past, which were expected of us. Yeah. And we are actually becoming more real, more human, both as a business and as people. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I think is, is super important is understanding that you need to lead you from a place of empathy. Yes because we're all in it okay yes. and having I'm, I'm glad you're bringing this up i'm really yes. sorry, yeah okay we're no. all in it and having empathy for everyone around us at this time is going to make things easier not just for us but for everybody around us mm. and when when we relax those around us relax so when you let yourself, you know, feel the fear, let it go, you know, be in the moment, do what you can do right now, okay, and focus on that, you're going to make it easier for those you have to deal with as well. Yes, and empathy is one of the most misunderstood um, competencies or emotions we can talk about, and I'm very glad you brought it up.
Oh, Usually, you know, when I bring it up in a corporate section, I get some giggles. Yeah. Everybody thinks flower power. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and it's not like that at all. Okay. It's not huggy feely. It's not like this. Now, essentially, we, you know, we mentioned earlier that the brain only has one rule, which is to predict the future because that's what it allows it to survive. Yeah. How do you predict the future? One of the competencies that the brain uses in order to do that is its ability to project itself into somebody else's situation. Yeah. Why? Because then that allows the brain to predict within a certain certain parameters how that person, company or entity is going to behave. And if we can predict how we can behave, then we can trust them because we understand them better. That's yeah. empathy. That's, that's a competency yes. we need to develop. So essentially by developing this, and it can be developed, we are learning to understand somebody else's point of view. If we understand their point of view, by understanding how they feel, then we can predict what they're going to do. If we can predict what they can going to do, we can begin to trust them. Trust is absolutely necessary for any kind of relational exchange to take place, whether it's the giving of information, whether it's starting a conversation, whether it's making a purchase if you're in business, whether it's accepting somebody will actually send you something if you give them your money. All these things require trust and trust is built on empathy without that nothing works. Yes. So good. I love how you wrapped that all up for me. That was great. That was great. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to need to have you to explain stuff whenever I talk now, because I get to do the simple stuff and you can turn it into the complicated stuff. It's awesome. It'll be a full-time job. My, my next full-time job. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Oh, good. Oh, good. Well, Hey, Sounds like you might be open to that. <laughs> um, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm looking at the clock and going, oh my, I have taken almost an hour of your time. I cannot tell you. Learned by it. It's been fun. How say. much I appreciate, David. You, you have really, I think, given people a lot of, of genuinely useful food for thought. I, I sincerely you know, hope so. I really yeah. You know, we, you're, you're saying, and, and I believe we're communicating the fact that that we do understand the anxiety, understand the fear, but let's all work to get past that. Let's yes. let's go to this better place because it is gonna be better. Absolutely, we, we, and, and I think you know, and again, you know, it's easy, it's easy for us to say sometimes, okay move on and forget it. And it's not like that at all. No, it's no. yes, we are all facing this. Yes. There are mental tricks we can apply, which will make us better at coping with this. And we just need to cope long enough for, for this difficult parts of history we're experiencing to blow over, which will take roughly 14 months as we were looking at. And then things will begin to crystallize. And the moment they do, our, you know, our own capabilities will be better suited to basically dealing with everything. Absolutely. Oh, I, I cannot say thank you enough. Um, it's been fun. I must say it really has. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I absolutely love talking to you. I thank our audience uh, for watching. Uh, like I said before, and I did mean it, if anybody needs to talk, reach out. All the social channels are open to people reaching out because we're all in this together. Now, try and let the fear go. Acknowledge your anxiety, acknowledge your fear, 
let it go and let's move on to a better place because it's going to get better. Do you have any last words you'd like to leave the audience with? Maybe one little tip they can use every day for business or personal. Well, I will say, you know, focus on the small victories you achieve every day because it gives you a sense of confidence and a sense of competence and it de decompresses the anxiety which you feel. It doesn't matter how small they are. You know, if you get out of bed with a smile, I, think I, would, I would count that as a massive victory in this time and age. So focus on that and try to start your day feeling good about something. It doesn't have to be big, but, you know, choose something small. Focus on that. And I gave earlier, you know, my walk with my, my walking time with my dog. I feel really good during that time. It doesn't matter what's happened before. It doesn't matter what's going to come after. But because of that walk, what comes after, I'm, you know, it's, it's easier for me to deal with. So, you know, focus on those little things. And then that will give you the handle you need to begin to sort of take the difficulties of the day apart. Thank you. That was wonderful. So appreciated. Thank you. And stay <clears throat> safe out there, guys. Stay safe. This is my guest, David Amerlin. Thank you so much. I'm Elaine Lindsay, the host of BBP TV with Truel Social Media. Make today the very best you can and do that every day. I'll see you next time when our guest will be Ashley Owens, who is the networking concierge. That'll be a little bit different. Brought to you by BBP TV Show and Truel Social.